0: Hey gang! I'm Waverly. I'm Sierra, and I'm Steph. And this is the Dreadful Diaries. <laughs> it has been a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a minute. It's definitely been a minute. Yeah. Been what at least two weeks since we last recorded something, and I just now at least two weeks decided to post it and get that done. It's fine. Lots of things have happened, you know. Had car issues, so we didn't want to deal with other problems, so we just avoided them and went to the pool (laughs) (laughs) and the beach or watched Stranger Things or Shorzy or all of the shows and caught up. Yep. So instead of you know doing this, yeah, which I explained last episode, we were slacking. You're going to hear a lot of rustling. Or purring. Or purring because I tried to see how this would go with my cats in the room. <laughs> Since I have been over at Steph's still because I haven't gotten that car, Gomez. <laughs> Gomez is a little uh, hyper this evening, so he won't shut up. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, so I apologize in advance you for You might any just hear rustling. some purring right up in the mic, and that's fine. You might hear rustling of whatever's on my floor. This this might actually just turn out to be an ASMR video and, you know.
1: Already off track. Come on, guys. This is the intro. Yeah, the (laughs) The (laughs) intro is
0: off all the time. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, been a while. We're back. Finally, super excited to be back um, and actually able to put effort into this. And I have, it's not an exciting case, but I'm excited to do it because I realized this past week, when I went down to visit back home, I was sitting there waiting for my one friend to come home, her fiance was there, and I had looked down under their coffee table and saw this book called Ring of Hell, and I'm like, Ayo Brett, what's that? I'm I'm gonna mention his name because he's gonna be on the second episode with me, so I don't have it in writing yet, but (laughs) it's fine that I mentioned him so I looked under and I was like what is that book and he explained to me like oh it's about Chris Benoit okay well what's that like who is that blah 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 so we went into this entire spiel because he is just a wrestling fanatic (laughs) he knows everything about wrestling he got super excited so we decided to watch the dark side of the ring the two-part episode about Chris Benoit so I decided oh that's interesting that would be a great case to cover and realized that this Friday was actually going to be the 15th anniversary of the victim's death and everyone like that was involved so I wanted to go ahead and get that case started at least get the first part out for you guys and then do the second part whenever me and Brett could actually sit down and do that so I have my lovely ladies here to help me with this first episode we're gonna get into the first part of it So I don't know how much you two know about wrestling. I'm gonna guess not too much. No, not too much. I mean, not I know much. a little
1: bit. My brother was very big into wrestling. So like, Bret the Heartbreak Kid era. Okay.
0: I know. I have. A I had a of- crush
1: on him. <laughs> of course <laughs> you did.
0: I'm dead. <laughs> See, I don't know anything about professional wrestling. Um, I know. I, I don't even think my family knows anything about professional wrestling, but like. They go to like the Penn State wrestling matches all the time.
1: Like, oh, they okay. like stuff like that. Completely
0: different. Well, kind of, yeah, but like. Really, actually? Actually? Well, yes. I feel like. I don't know. When I think of like high school wrestling, I feel like that's a whole different thing than. Well, this, this is college was... wrestling. Oh, sorry. So. My bad. College wrestling. <laughs> and the entertainment pro, pro wrestling. Mm. It's like. I feel like they're
1: on different levels, but they're not at the same time. It's the same, but, like, one is, like, very dramatized, and Mm. they have all these theatrics because it's meant to entertain you, but also to, like, you know, wrestle a little. Mm. Exactly.
0: (laughs) We're gonna get into all of it, but way back, like, in the 80s and so on, before this case comes about, there was, like, bloodshed. There was ladders and hitting people with chairs and all of that, and... people actually got hurt. Yeah. So I'm gonna get into that in the second part about why this case was so prominent and why it changed the wrestling world forever. So yeah I used to watch it when I was a kid as well so I watched a little bit during the 2000s but I must have either not known what was going on at the time whenever this went down or had stopped watching it at this point. Either way I'm glad that Brett brought it to my attention because I think it's a really interesting case.
1: Yeah, well, like you said when we were talking about it, they, like, tried to just erase him. So, it probably happened and then they were like, "Mm, this didn't happen, so... We're going to talk about it, like I said. Okay, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Once again,
0: I am putting off the Dennis Nelson case that I keep talking about because I got sidetracked, once again, as we do all the time the end of the last episode I did mention another case in Japan that I was gonna do as well so I'm gonna come back to both of those eventually I'm sure no one's surprised that I'm putting it off so there's that and one last update I think I'm gonna also pause on the abandoned archives for the next few weeks just because it is summer there's a whole lot going on I just want to put as much focus as I can on one case at a time and not have to be doing double research So I'm gonna sit down, really focus, and put my effort into this podcast, and I want it to be the best that it can be, and I want to take more time per episode. So from here on out, for a couple of weeks at least, just expect a release like about every two weeks or so. That way I have enough time to do all the research I can. For true crime specifically, it's just like we have been doing true crimes every two weeks. We just won't have the abandoned archives in between. between. So sad. Unfortunate. I know. Everyone's sad about it. No more history class with Waverly for a while. (laughs) School's out for the summer. (laughs) For the first part of this case, I'm going to get into who Chris Benoit was, his life, a little bit about his early life and his wrestling career and his personal life. I'll cover who Nancy Sullivan or Nancy Benoit was and a little bit about her life and how significant she was in the wrestling world. And I'm going to go into more depth with that in the next part as well. But it's going to be kind of like an overview of all the preluding stuff before the actual case comes about. Then in part two, we'll recap a little bit, and then me and Brett, my friend from back home, he's going to jump on with me, add some of his input, some of his opinions, and then more or less fact-check me and make sure...
1: Oh, so like what you did to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And
0: uh, he actually already read this part. He said it sounded pretty good, so I'm going to guess so far so good. Or he can just make a fool of me on the second part. It's fine. Maybe he said, "Oh, it's good," just to like, just to be like, appear and be actually, like, actually, all of that was wrong. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then we'll get into Eddie Guerrero and his wonderful friendship, like one one in a lifetime friendship with Benoit, and Guerrero's death, how it affected Benoit so immensely and his down will spiral into all of that and of course the crime itself the impact it had on the wrestling community the controversy it all sparked and the changes that proceeded after the tragedy as well lots of stuff going on here in this case I have to cover all of this stuff beforehand so that you can get a real good idea of what was going on and what changed later so has to be a two-parter sorry guys uh, before I the get started... The suspense is real. <laughs> I know, the suspense is... You're gonna have so much suspense, like, what actually happened? <laughs> and then you're gonna make them wait two weeks. Yep. <laughs> yep. I am. But I, But, on the nice side, I edited that last one and gave you another one this Friday, so it's like... Yeah, but you waited, like, two weeks in the... Shut, shut up.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> quiet, Sierra. Nobody asked you. Oh, nobody nobody <laughs> noticed. It's fine. Are you sure? Nobody I said noticed. anything in the DMs or the emails. I noticed. Fine. Next time I'll DM you guys. I'll, I'll DM the, the Instagram. Be like, mm-hmm. where's the, the podcast for this week? <laughs> up your ass. That's where it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me just... Re- we're just going to reach up there. Here, (laughs) actually, it's up mine. Go ahead, pull it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Guys, it's already... It's too
0: late It's too too late already that we started recording this. It's just going to be a mess. It's going (laughs) to be a mess. Before I get started, I wanted to mention, for my research, I did actually read a little bit of the book, Ring of Hell. I'll have my friend mention it on the second part, because... I'm not 100% sure on this, but he said he emailed the author and asked why it was so hard to get an actual copy of this book. He may or may not have stolen this one from the library because it's so expensive.
1: No, no, no. He's he's bar-
0: borrowing. Borrowing the book for all of eternity. Wait, it's still borrowing. <laughs> I don't think anybody from a library is going to listen to this. It's fine. So, <laughs> So it's very hard to find a copy of this book. I asked him why. Because he's like, you better be very careful with that book. I said, so don't put it in water? Like, why? (laughs) And he was like, it's very hard to find a copy of this book. I had to steal it from the library. I mean, borrow it from the library for all of eternity. The writer actually wrote him back via email and told him he didn't want to publish any more copies until he went back and rewrote it and fixed some things that he didn't like. So now there's only limited copies because um, I guess he was really young when he wrote it, the author, which is Matthew Rendazzo the fifth. He wrote this book and he also was on the second part of the Chris Benoit, Dark Side of the Ring, on Hulu. I think we watched it. That being said, I think the reason he wanted to rewrite it or fix some things was because, at least in my opinion, this is just what I got in the first couple of pages, It seemed like the way he describes things or wrote some things in the book seemed kind of judgmental. I might mention some things or quote some things and it might kind of bring that to light later as to how it sounds judgmental. Mm -hmm. There was like, for example, in a part where he described uh, Nancy being pretty much bored in the hotel rooms while he went out and did this.
1: And it's like, you weren't there, like, were you there? Do you really know? Like, I feel like it was leaning towards calling him obsessive with wrestling versus just... I mean, yes. Yeah, he was. But the way he worded what? it in the book was kind of...
0: Yeah, which he he was. He I don't want to say he 100% was, but he was very, very committed. This was an art to him, is what he said. Yeah, yeah the way he describes it is more like... I don't know. Like I said, a little judgmental in my opinion. Granted... I did only get through a few pages as of right now. Hopefully, I'll finish some more for the second part, but... Doubtful. <laughs> Sorry. Shut up. She's right. <laughs> but... We all know you. <laughs> You'll carry the book around and maybe read it, like... Maybe read, like, five pages a week. I'm getting into the actual case. Yeah, now.
1: we haven't even gotten into it
0: <laughs> Former World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. I didn't know that's what that stood for, actually. <laughs> That's why we're having Brett on the second <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, I don't
1: think that. I never knew what WWE stood for. My bad. It used
0: to be WWF. Remember that? It was. It was. It was WWF. What is that <laughs> one? Same thing, the except foundation. for Federation. Oh, Federation. Yes, right. it was Federation.
1: Yep. Huh. See, I know a little bit more than you would
0: think. Anyway... So now that Sierra knows what WWE really stands for. (laughs) I'm
1: glad I know everything that I need to know. That's all you need to know. Exactly.
0: Former WWE writer Dan Madigan once said, Benoit always left it all in the ring. (laughs) Former WWE writer Dan Madigan once said, Benoit always left it all in the ring. He was never satisfied unless he left every drop of his soul in that ring every single goddamn night. He felt he owed it to the business that he loved like I said he thought it was an art it was his thing Chris Michael Benoit was born on May 21st 1967 in Montreal Quebec Quebec. Canada. Enough. Quebec he spent most of his childhood in Alberta according to his father Chris was obsessive about wrestling even as a child and totally in love with the idea of becoming a wrestler and started preparing himself by the age of 12 in high school he won numerous awards in wrestling and bodybuilding, and had an unwavering focus on becoming a world-class wrestler. During this time in his childhood, Benoit idolized Tom Dynamite, Kid Billington, and Brett the Hitman Heart. What? Brett the Hitman Heart. Why are you staring at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you He's staring at the break kid? The Hitman. Is this a different wrestler? Backing up, real quick. Steph mentioned Brett, the Heartbreak Kid.
1: No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Shawn Michaels. I was conf- I was getting the two of them mixed up.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Shawn Michaels is. I mean,
1: hey, at least they're both wrestlers. At least it's not a fictional character that I threw in there. It's fine.
0: Somewhere. Anyway, so she's talking. She's referring to Shawn Michaels. We're actually talking about Brett, the, the Hitman hey. Heart. So. I was like, that sounds wrong to me because of my research, but... And then you stared at me weird, and I was like, oh, she does think this is the same person. So, let me just... Before Brett yells at us. And then I was just going along with whatever was on the paper, because I don't know anything about wrestling. So, anyway. Back into it. At 12 years old, he attended a local wrestling event at which the two performers, quote, stood out above everyone else, end quote. Quick side note. I'm gonna be mentioning a ton of different names... And so, I'm going to have to kind of go off on a tangent sometimes during the episode just to reiterate who that person is so mostly Sierra can understand, and also in case any of you guys don't understand. Just wanted to let you know that this all does connect into, like I said, Benoit's life and his wrestling career. Thomas Billington, aka Dynamite Kid, was a British professional wrestler between 1975 and 1996. He didn't exactly fit the conventional image of Professor the Wrestler uh, at the time. They were obviously big, tall, muscly guys. So he was only measuring in at 5'8. Hey, he's still taller than all of us. I mean, he's still. Not, like, he, he is he's average guy yeah. like build. Yeah. Or he was at the time. He was quite smaller than the sports heavy hitters like Hulk Hogan and uh, Andre the Giant, who measured up to 7'4. I think this also plays into why Benoit idolizes him so much, because he himself was of the same stature. So it just makes sense. Now to kind of give you an insight on how serious not only Benoit, the Dynamite Kid, and many other wrestlers took their career. During a match in 1986, while jumping over an opponent, Billington, quote, felt something go in his back, end quote. His opponents didn't catch on to the fact that he was lying in the ring immobile and was seriously injured. The kid had to crawl to the ropes with a broken back in order to tag his partner in just so that the other two wrestlers would leave him alone. He laid out on his back there while the other wrestlers duped it out for several minutes until the match finally ended. After the match, the kid was carried out of the arena on a stretcher. Bret Hart actually said, "Quote." He blew out two discs in his back and he had to be taken to the hospital and there was talk that he would never wrestle again, end quote. Wow, that's brutal. Yeah, insane. So he had to go through all of that and then still after that, continued. There was talk of him never wrestling again and he was like,
1: Yeah, that's not happening.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and continue because I'm serious about it. This is my passion. This is what I like to do. I'm continuing. As I mentioned, these wrestlers are committed Even after his injury, he went back to wrestling. In one of his last matches he ever participated in, he was able to take one opponent down with a pile driver to help his team win the match. So I was going to ask what a pile driver is. So a pile driver is a wrestling move in which basically the wrestler grabs their opponent, turns them upside down, and drops them into a sitting or kneeling position, diving the opponent headfirst into the mat. Imagine taking somebody upside down with their legs like up above their your shoulders, and then just sitting the fuck down and hard. Sla- yeah, the very next day at the airport, he suffered a seizure, and that would be his second since his back injury, and he had to be hospitalized. He'd had several concussions and back and leg injuries, primarily due to his signature quote diving dynamite headbutt end quote. And the kid had to have part of his leg amputated. Wow. The dynamite kid who also experienced heart problems and a stroke spent his final years confined to a wheelchair. The specific cause of his death on December 5th, 2018, which was his 60th birthday, actually, was never officially released. That would suck to die on your birthday. Actually, though, I would love to die on my birthday. I fucking why?
1: Go out the same day I fucking yeah, came
0: in. I, I kind of stuck on that one. You lived exactly how many, like you know? Uh, Okay, well, then it have to be on the exact same time that you were... So, this is significant because Chris Benoit eventually went on to use his move, being as, of course, this was his idol. After his significant injuries at one point, the kid tried to warn him and tell him that he had to stop using that move. It was part of the reason that he's in the wheelchair. So, Maybe wanting to be just like him, Benoit had the same dedication and just continued to put everything he had into the ring every time, despite injuries and pain. So, I think him being his idol, he also wanted to be as dedicated as he was. So, that definitely took an effect as well.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: At the beginning of Benoit's wrestling career in 1985, the similarities between Benoit and Billington were apparent right at the jump. As Benoit adopted not only the diving headbutt, but other moves, such as the snap suplex, the homage was complete with his initial billing as, quote, dynamite Chris Benoit. So what is the snap suplex? So the snap suplex is actually, you pick your opponent up, and it looks like you're essentially doing a back bend and throwing them over your shoulder and then coming down with them. That's the best that I can describe. Benoit trained to become a pro wrestler in the Hart family, quote unquote, dungeon, Receiving education from family patriarch Stu Hart. Brett was the eighth child of Stu Hart and his wife, Helen. You say Stu Hart and I want it to be Stuart. Stuart? Mm. Stuart? 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 No, it's Stu Hart. Yeah, no, I, I know that. Like, I read that. There's but, a like, pause. I, I, I hear it as Stewart. So just a quick mention about these guys' commitment again. In a 1998 documentary, Hitman Hart, Wrestling with the Shadows, Hart reflected on his father's discipline, describing how Stu uttered morbid words while inflicting excruciating submission holds that left broken blood vessels in Brett's eyes. Hart claimed his father had an otherwise pleasant demeanor. Now, I don't know if that's just because he was his son, and so he felt he could be harder on him, or I don't know if the training at the quote-unquote dungeon was just that intense for everybody. I do know that from Dark Side of the Ring, there was mention of Benoit punishing himself when he would mess up on a move or do something incorrectly, even if it was something minor. minor. Hmm. So Maybe that was something he might have picked up early on in his training, being at the Heart Dungeon. I don't 100% know, though. That was just something I thought was kind of interesting. Ben Wall wrestled for Stu Hart's stampede promotion for a few years between 1985 and then through 1989, and then he also went on to New Japan Pro Wrestling between 1986 and 1997. World Championship Wrestling or WCW for a year between 1992 and 1993, and then Extreme Championship Wrestling ECW for a year as well. Okay, that was my
1: time because I don't remember (laughs) when it was WCW. I remember ECW.
0: I think those ones are two different ones.
1: Okay, probably.
0: WWF and WWE, that was a change, but I'm pretty sure World Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling were two two different different things. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to Benoit's personal life. He actually spoke both English and French fluently. He married twice. He had two children, David and Megan, with his first wife, whose name was Martina. By 1997, that marriage had broken down and Benoit was actually living with Nancy Sullivan at the time. And I'm going to come back to that. Benoit became good friends with fellow wrestler Eddie Guerrero following a match in Japan. I believe that was sometime in the early 1990s. When Benoit kicked Guerrero in the head and actually knocked him out cold. Okay. So, kick him in the head and then that sparks. No, we're say, friends! Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, that sparked a wonderful friendship after knocking him out cold. They went on to actually wrestle together at WCW. They had multiple matches against one another as well. They would travel to events together and wake up and then train before the matches like at the hotel or at the gym like leaving the hotel that they were staying at. They were like brothers, joined at the hip. Undoubtedly one of the best and rarest friendships one makes in their lifetime. And it continued even after Guerrero's death. Again, I'm going to come back here to this in a little bit, but I'm going to move on to Nancy Benoit, and then I'm going to kind of pick up all of this information on part two. So, getting into... cliffhangers. Cliffhangers. (laughs) So, moving on to Nancy Benoit. She was born Nancy Tofaloni on May 17th, 1964. She was an American professional wrestler, managing, and modeling, both. She was best known for her appearance with ECW and WCW in the mid-1990s under the ring name Woman. Yep. Simple to the point badass. She was beautiful. She was a woman of high sex appeal, very well known in, in the wrestling community, And she, at one point after high school, while working at State Farm, answering phones, there was a search for a young girl for the cover of the June 1984 edition of the pro wrestling magazine Wrestling All-Stars, and someone suggested her for the job. And at 20 years old, Nancy started working as a model and continued modeling for years after. During one of her photo shoots was actually where she met Kevin Sullivan. We're gonna get into who that is later. So, (laughs) eventually... After Munch convincing, Kevin actually got her to be part of his wrestling entourage. She became an on-air valet, taking the ring name Fallen Angel. I like women better, just saying. I like women better, too. Mm-hmm. She That's where she, like, yeah. kind of broke off from his entourage mm-hmm. and just way more badass. Making her ring debut on June 30th, 1984. So before her marriage to Kevin Sullivan the following year in 1985, Tofaloni had been married to and divorced from a guy named Jim Dous or And She had no kids to either of her first two marriages. Fast forwarding to 1996, Benoit was actually placed into an ongoing feud with Sullivan on screen for WCW. So again, we all know tons of drama and things going on in behind the matches the and behind the scenes and all of that. Eventually, this led to the two having violent confrontations at pay-per-view events, which led to Sullivan booking a feud in which Benoit was having an affair with Sullivan's real-life wife and on-screen valet, Nancy. Okay.
1: okay. All right.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, Benoit and Nancy were forced to spend time together to make their affair look real, aka holding hands in public, sharing hotel rooms, etc., whole nine yards. So, they weren't... Were they... They weren't actually having an affair, it was like staged Not or they... at the beginning. Okay. At the beginning it was staged.
1: After okay. they forced them to hang out and do things together, then <laughs> they said st- hey,
0: you wanna make this look really real, let's actually do it. You know what? Let's just let's just do it. Fuck <laughs> it. Fuck it. There was actually a running joke that Sullivan had booked his own divorce, cause <clears throat> pretty much right after. Right. Within a year, actually, this on screen relationship developed into a real life affair off-screen. And on February 25th, 2000, Chris and Nancy's son, Daniel, was born. And then on November 23rd of the same year, Chris and Nancy were married. Mm. And that's where I'm gonna leave you fuckers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we haven't
0: even gone to the good stuff. This is just background. This is, just, this is surface. Yeah. scratching.
1: Yep. To prepare you for could use the, the n-
0: good stuff.
1: Um, I kind of set
0: it up much like the Dark Side of the Ring did. They like, tell you all of this and then they get into the rest of it. So I'm going to leave it there. Make you guys wait. We're going to recap kind of all of this. We're going to get more into Eddie Guerrero and who he is. A little bit of Kevin Sullivan so you kind of know what he is and what his entourage was about and Nancy and his relationship a little bit. I'm going to fact check this. I think there was a time where Chris in the ring caused, like, physical... Like, he wasn't just acting out the moves. He was, like, getting really into it and causing actual, like, damage, like harm to him. Basically to help Nancy get out of the situation. I think he was abusive. We're going to get into all of that. Way more stuff to cover in those relationships. And then on to the case and what happened. So I'm going to end it there, gang. Right before we really get into it all, next episode with Brett, we're going to talk about... All of that, like I mentioned, and the controversy of what follows in part two, definitely come back and join us. Hopefully. It's gonna be good. Hopefully you'll be back for it, because I know, I know you didn't just listen to all of this and not (laughs) actually listen to the case. (laughs) In the meantime, while you're waiting, show us some love on the social medias because we've really missed you. It's been rough, but we're glad to be back. In case you forgot, you can show us love on the Insta at the Dreadful Diaries or on the Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash TheDreadfulDiaries. You can shoot us a Gmail, type out a whole message to us and how much you love us at TheDreadfulDiaries at gmail.com. Love, bye. Love, Bye-bye. bye.